So I know nobody uses those phrases, but that is what it is. So I joked the other day, I didn't know if Texas A&M was going to occur a luxury tax, you know, and um, how much they paid for their signing class. I know it's been on your mind. So you stacked ten, top ten classes together now for four years in a row. I don't think there was ever even two before that. So do you kind of consider it a slap in the face or whatever when there's these thoughts out there that Very. it's because a lot of money is being spent and just your thoughts? Here's what I'm going to say, and this is point blank. This is point blank to the – because here, here's, here's my problem. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no 10 This is garbage, okay? And it does. It pisses me off that people – and here, it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet, it's gospel. How irresponsible is that? It's, and then we gripe about the transfer portal, and you take you guys take more than everybody. What's about that? What goes on? The hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to, uh, to our staff, how hard we work, to how we do things. It's insulting to Texas A&M, because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. We don't like it. We're coming on. Get used to it. All right. We ain't going nowhere. It, it, it's it's an absolute joke. The people who put the hard work in and do it. It's irresponsible. But it's funny when they get it, it's all okay. Ball games are changing, man. And it ain't because of nil and what goes on. It's pretty irresponsible. All of them. The clowns. Go next. If they got a problem with it? Come see me. I ain't a hard guy to find. We'll be in some meetings. You can say anything you want. We can do anything you want. I ain't got no problem with it. I promise you that shit. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And got a great show lined up for you. Finish the week strong. Got a terrific guest, Brent Zerneman of the Houston Chronicle. He's been covering the Texas A&M Aggies for decades. Had a fun conversation with Brent. And again, if you don't know that name, you should. He's the one that broke the news that uh, Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and when that timeline should be. A really good deep dive here on Jimbo Fisher and the NIL. Brent was also the one that asked Jimbo Fisher the question about NIL during uh, the latest Texas A&M press conference that really kind of Push Jimbo over the edge there. So we talk about all that really fun conversation coming up with Brent Zernerman here in a minute. But, hey, we got a couple of news and notes around the league, including a little bit of drama here down in uh, Birmingham in the headquarters of the SEC. But before we get to all that, the SEC officially announced the league's revenue for the uh, latest fiscal year, and it's... <laughs> Man, these numbers are incredible. Year in and year out, they just continue to skyrocket up. This year, just over $777 million the SEC generated in total revenue. So they take that $778.8 million to be exact, divide that by the 14 schools, and we've got $54.6 million per SEC institution for the following year, and that is up from, let's see, $45 million the previous year. 657 was the number from a year ago. So, again, $777 million up from $657 million. Man, is it a good time to be an SEC school? And this right here, 
no other reason. This is why Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the nation's best conference. They want a piece of this pie. And by adding Texas and Oklahoma, the SEC is just going to add to this total, which is going to skyrocket when the new TV figures come in. Remember, this is still under the old contract of the CBS, SEC on CBS. CBS really getting the, uh, the better shake of this deal. The SEC is going to get astronomically more money, about four times as much through TV revenue when they shift to ESPN, ABC in the years to come and adding Texas and Oklahoma. Man, it's good to be in the SEC. I'll just say that. And speaking of that, one little news item here I thought uh, SEC fans would appreciate. We don't have a ton of details on this, but Peyton and Eli Manning, their Monday Night Football broadcast, officially signed on for three more years. And, you know, we certainly enjoyed that this season. I hope you guys did too if you got to catch it. But the more interesting aspect of this new deal for Peyton and Eli and their their Manning cast, whatever they call it, they're going to start doing UFC, golf, and more importantly, college football is a part of this deal. Now, certainly I don't think they're going to be calling every week a game or anything like that. Don't have any details on the games they plan to cover. They really missed out on an opportunity to cover Ole Miss at Tennessee last week with uh, Eli and Peyton's connections to those schools, obviously. But Arch Manning likely headed to the SEC. Will Peyton and Eli be calling one of his games? That'd be pretty interesting. I I don't know if they want to do that necessarily. I know Peyton didn't want to uh, even play against Eli. I don't know if he's going to be calling his nephew's football games, but that is going to be something to watch. And with Peyton and Eli involved, you can be sure there's going to be SEC coverage mixed in to the Peyton and Eli Manning cast. So cannot wait to see that. And how about this little nugget here? I thought this was great. South Carolina officially announced their spring game Saturday, April 16th. That's not necessarily the noteworthy thing here. The Gamecocks are going to kick this thing off in the evening, 7 o'clock p.m., It's going to be quite the scene down there in Columbia. And we already got people tagging Cousin Shane and I. We need to get our ass down there. Hey, maybe that's a challenge there to Cousin Shane. I'd love to go down there to Columbia for the South Carolina spring game. So maybe we can get that worked out. I got to make sure the uh, the Big Tennessee homer is on board before we make anything official. But Saturday, April 16th, I love these night spring games. Adds a little extra juice to it. It's going to be an all-day festivities down there in Columbia leading up to The uh, year two era of uh, the Shane Beamer era, of course, that, man, this is going to be pretty wild. And there's a lot of hype around South Carolina right now. So maybe we can get this thing going. And what other thing here before we get down to uh, what happened in Birmingham on Thursday, which was was quite the scene. Chris Kiffin, recently hired by his brother Lane to be co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the Ole Miss Rebels jumping back to the NFL. That was first reported by uh, Chris Lowe of ESPN and confirmed by many outlets. But, man, there's just the latest case. We'll call this the Austin Davis effect. You come from the NFL to college football. You get a taste of the recruiting. You get a taste of life in the SEC. And you say, well, hell, it wasn't that bad in the NFL. We didn't have to do no recruiting. So I don't know if that's exactly what happened here, but certainly – Certainly feels like it. So Chris Kiffin jumping back to the NFL after just a couple of weeks on the job there in Oxford. 
Ole Miss going to have to find them a new co-defensive coordinator to pair with Chris Partridge. And it certainly was interesting when Lane hired his brother, given uh, Chris's connections to Ole Miss and being on Hugh Freeze's staff back in the day. But, you know, it's just this is the wild, wild west here. We get, uh, you know, it's not just the transfer portals, these coaches making moves left and right. And you just never know what's going to come next in the SEC. Well, speaking of uh, coach movement, and we still don't have anything quite on Brian Harson, but he did make his appearance here at the SEC coaches meetings here on Thursday in Birmingham. And there was reporters camped out. Apparently, they were told there's two entrances to the building, back entrance, front entrance. And wouldn't you know it, 12 of the SEC coaches went through the front door and then two coaches found a mysterious third side door into the building. And of course, Brian Harson was one of them. I mean, they, they must have people in the bushes out here, something camp out looking at all these doors. There's a, we don't have an image of uh, Harson walking in the door. We just got an image of him with uh, his back towards the camera. I mean, how sick are we in the SEC that this is, what we're doing on a Thursday in February, but this was all SEC Twitter was a buzz, a buzz about here on Thursday. Brian Harson did in fact make it to this meeting to talk about the rules and all this that's going on in the SEC. These are not major uh, meetings that uh, typically have any kind of big proclamation at the end, but they have these meetings, they have the SEC spring meetings, and then they kind of, will come to new rules and things of that nature, which that happens uh, leading up to SEC media days, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see what comes of it, but it's just interesting. Brian Harson showed up, and then we got all these cameras just waiting in anticipation for this man to walk out the door so we can ask him questions. And here is a uh, video of uh, Brian Harson coming out the door, and there were so many damn reporters that – I mean, the man walked to the wrong vehicle. He had to do a circle around the wrong vehicle he was trying to get into. Uh, but, man, what a sight. I'm going to throw this up on the uh, the YouTube channel. But just what a mess this is. And, and I just think it's hilarious that uh, this guy, no, you know, no comment. Didn't even say the word no comment. But that was his re- reply. So you're not missing much with the with the audio. But if you do listen carefully at the tail end, this is Perfect. Just listen to this fan in the background. Do you plan to be the coach at Auburn next season? Are you taking part in Auburn's investigation into the program? Good. So if you missed it there, that wasn't, I hope it wasn't a media member, but hell, maybe it was, but certainly sound like an Auburn fan. Hang in there, coach. War Eagle. Would have been a little bit better if he said War Damn Eagle, but uh, hey, Brian Harson's gotten him some support among Auburn fans. They got about two dozen of them there on the planes as we saw the protest, but I just thought that was hilarious. 
The only other noteworthy thing here, Kirby Smart pulled up in a minivan. He was the only one to pull up in a minivan. And then Coach Leach, he had a message. He was about the only one that acknowledged all these these poor reporters that showed up to try to get something from Harson and got nothing. Let's kick it over to Mike Leach real quick. Hey, drink more water. Yes, sir. Stay hydrated. Hey, Valuable lesson there. Stay hydrated from the coach of Mississippi State Bulldogs. I just thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, so this is basically what we're reduced to at uh, mid-February. Coaches walking in and out of a building. That is uh, the most drama we're getting here leading up to the weekend. And who knows, maybe we'll get a resolution in this Brian Harson situation. But until then, him walking around these cars is going to be played endlessly on Twitter. And uh, it, it's hilarious. I even saw a compilation someone did of these coaches getting in their cars. I mean, <laughs> these SUC media members are having a good good damn time down there in, in Birmingham here on Thursday. I'll, I'll tell you that. All right, but enough fooling around with uh, all that garbage. We do got a really, really outstanding interview here with Brent Zerneman of the Houston Chronicle. I think all SEC fans, and particularly Texas A&M, will appreciate Brent and the knowledge he's dropped here on the show. We're pleased to once again be joined by Brent Zerneman. He's an outstanding SEC insider, covers Texas A&M for the Houston Chronicle, and he's authored several books on the Texas A&M Aggies. So, Brent, thank you so much for once again joining the show. I really appreciate it. You bet, Mike. Hopefully one of those books one day will be talking about A&M. I'm not even going to say winning a national – I'm going to say making the college football playoff because I've done this for a quarter century now and still – I covered one conference champion in 1998. So maybe maybe now – Maybe now they'll be, you know, closing in on on that elusive national title that they've been seeking since 1939. Well, it could be worse, Brent. You could be covering this mess down at Auburn. How how fortunate are you to uh, not be having to cover the Brian Harson saga? Isn't that the truth? Because <laughs> you do get the idea with Jimbo, uh, and, and I'll say this, and uh, you know, you feel like I, I know him pretty well. The man is all about football. The man loves, breathes, eats, however you want to put it, football. And, and I feel like there's just, <laughs> you know, if we're, I, I don't think, and maybe I'm going to let me find some wood to knock on here, uh, Mike, uh, that any kind of like off the field scandals or anything, that's just really not even part of the equation because Jimbo's just so wrapped up in, in coaching this football uh, team and trying to get them back and proving that he can do it in more than one place and that he didn't just take over for Bobby Bowden at a, you know, a, a historically or recently historically good program at Florida state mm-hmm. and win a title. He wants to show he can do it at a place that it hasn't been done since pre-World War II. Now, the main reason I wanted to have you on Brent is of course, to talk about, uh, you know, A&M's incredible success on the recruiting trail and all that entails with that. But before I ask you about that, you know, is there a sense at all in College Station around that program that uh, last season was maybe a little bit of a disappointment when you consider the team they had? And, of course, they knocked off Alabama, which you predicted they would do in the preseason. Yet <laughs> they turn around and they, they lose to the Mississippi schools. They lose to Arkansas. They lose that uh, heartbreaker to LSU. What's the sense there of uh, last season? Just kind of dropping the ball a little bit there. Yeah, Mike, I – 
I predicted an A&M win over Alabama, but I also did not predict Mississippi State and Mike Leach would roll into Kyle Field and get a victory. <laughs> so, and of course, Arkansas with Sam Pittman in his second year, uh, they they topple the Aggies up in Arlington at that neutral site game this year for the first time in years. So mm-hmm. those things were head scratchers because honestly, that that schedule that the Aggies had was probably their most favorable since they've joined the SEC from the Big 12 in 2000, in 2012 because their non-conference schedule was very forgiving in, in years past. Like when Jimbo took over, they had Clemson as a, as a non-conference foe. And, you know, he joked that he thought he was getting away from them <laughs> by leaving the ACC and so forth. So if there was going to be a year where they were going to be right in the mix and competing for an SEC title, especially getting Alabama and Auburn on your home field, I thought it was going to be 2021. So, yeah, they pulled off the upset, but absolutely, to answer your question, there was a, a ton of disappointment with the idea that they finished 8-4 and four in the regular season. I think early in the year they had risen as high as number five in the nation. Of course, last year they'd finished number four. Here's what happened, of course. Haynes King had won the starting quarterback job over Zach Calzada, and Haynes King went down with a broken leg in week two and was out for the season. Well, Jimbo had told us, that it was a fairly close competition. Now, it probably wasn't as, as close as all that, but he had also said both guys are NFL quarterbacks. So I kind of took him on his word on that. Well, Zach Calzada had an awful lot of um, growing to do still at that point. And, of course, he did manage to pull off the upset of Alabama, but that was probably their biggest uh, thing that, that held them back was quarterback play in terms of being – uh, you know, right in the mix for the SEC title. The the defense, of course, was once again outstanding under Mike Elko. So you wonder what would have happened if Haynes King had stayed healthy. But on the flip side, you know, Jimbo brought Zach Calzada to A&M as a scholarship quarterback with the idea that he would compete for starters. So you wouldn't have thought that there would be as much drop-off as there is. Mm-hmm. Now that's what's shaping up is with Calzada now gone to Auburn, as you, as you mentioned, the mess going on there. Now that's really shaping up as probably the most int- interesting storyline of the offseason for the Aggies, what's going to happen at quarterback. Now how surprised were you, Brent? Uh, you were the one that asked the question in the uh, National Signing Day press conference, Jimbo Fisher and and all this uh, NIL discussion and you know the, the rival coaches even uh, essentially saying A&M's only having success because they're paying for all these players. And it really seemed like uh, you know Jimbo Fisher – took personal offense to this and, and really wanted to get this off his chest. And as a secondary question, have you tracked down Slice Bread? You got an interview with him yet? <laughs> I'm still trying to find Eric Dickerson's Trans Am that Texas A&M or, or Texas A&M booster uh, allegedly gave him. So I'm trying to take it one one mystery at a time here, Mike. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, they were they were saying, I don't know what happened to that Trans Am. I gave it to a buddy and then so on and so forth. But no, no sliced bread to answer your second question. The first question was, Jimbo could not wait to get that off his chest. We had not visited with him since back in during the holidays when they were still planning on going to the Gator Bowl at that time before COVID-19 issues kept them out of the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest. So, Jimbo was, uh, I happened to have the microphone first and he could not wait. And I asked a short question and he, he took it for the next three or four minutes. And, and I, I do see his point in that, okay, Mike, I've covered A&M, you know, football for close to a quarter century. It was gone for a couple of years there, somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. I had never covered more than two top 10 classes in a row. No coach had ever put more than two together. 
Jimbo, this was his fourth consecutive top 10, all four classes being his first full recruiting classes. Now, of course, he inherited one when he came on board that was not top 10. So it wasn't like they went from number 45 in recruiting suddenly to number one. I mean, they had been in the top 10. He had built to this. They were nine and one last year with the number four finish, you know, win in the Orange Bowl. Things were looking up. So all that played into it. But also there is no doubt 100% that the NIL aspect has helped the Aggies as well. You've got a half million former students, oil money, as I said, deeper pockets than a West Texas oil well, you know, in terms of putting all that together. And even Ross Bjork, the athletic director at AM, told me, he goes, yeah, you know, they feel fortunate to have this incredible fan base that's so passionate about football. So you combine those things. You combine the relentless recruiting of Jimbo Fisher and his staff, which no doubt they, they have been getting after it from the time he stepped foot on campus to the NIL, NIL you know, the, the new way of doing things in, the, in the, uh, the prospects there, I'll put it that way, in terms of uh, being able to, 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 to have a good life in, in college, you know, financially. So you put all those things together and suddenly they have the, you know, what was ended up being the number one ranked class of all time. I, I really shouldn't say of all time. None of us should. It's really in the internet era, because as we know, you go back to before there were scholarship limits, you know, a, a program back in the day, like Texas or what have you, or Alabama, they would stock up on guys mm-hmm. that would never even see the field, but they would keep them away from other programs. So you can't really say all time, but you can certainly say of the internet era of the past couple of decades that this class was up there. So yeah, it's a combination of such, but I will say Jimbo's done. I mean, he's, he's hardcore on the recruiting front and he gets after it. And, you know, and you've seen this place is pretty crazy on a, on a college football Saturday as well, which certainly helps draw recruits. Do you think Jimbo took that personally at all? Because it certainly seems to me that uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and of course, to a to a lesser extent, uh, Lane Kiffin, you know, it's it seems like they're threatened that uh, A and M is just is going to con- continue at this historic pace of recruiting, and uh, it, you know, of course, Georgia and Alabama they're used to to getting whoever they want, and and now it doesn't seem now it almost I don't want to say evens the playing field because we're still only talking about a handful of teams here, but uh, it, it just seems like it's elevated A and M, and and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I don't think so. You know, the way Jimbo put it was in talking directly to his coaches through through the press conference, get used to it, as he said, because we're not going anywhere, you know, was the quote. I will say this, with these guys that they were able to bring on board, you know, seven five-stars, and I've been around this program long enough where I remember it was a big deal when they got one five-star in a class. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly they have seven. But you were able to – uh, with AM especially losing a lot of guys on the defensive line and everything to the NFL, they were able to promise or, you know, hey, you're going to have every opportunity to have early playing time. You know, when you step foot on campus, you're going to be – chances are you're going to be playing as a true freshman in front of 100,000 fans. So I do think that helped. So I'll be curious to see as they continue to stack these classes on board, you know, Jimbo's then going to have to change it to, hey – you want to be a part of this program that can help eventually get you to the NFL and perhaps even redshirt and so forth. So the the message is, is maybe going to have to change a little bit because with these guys, like even Connor Wegman, the quarterback, mm-hmm. Hey, five-star guy out of Houston, 
Connor, you're going to get a chance, you know, you're going to get a chance to start as a freshman. So, but yes, with the, with the combination of, uh, you know, Jimbo's recruiting in, in the NIL, there's, that certainly can't be discounted that you would think moving forward, as long as the NCAA keeps it like this, that A&M is going to be a major player on that front. Now, I don't know if the expectations can get any higher in College Station. I mean, when Jimbo got hired, they, they famously gave him the national championship trophy with the with the date yet to be to be determined. Does signing a class of this stature does it does it raise the expectations that uh, you know that that promise will be fulfilled by uh, Jimbo and his staff? It certainly should, and and yeah, the, the you know the and he knows that you know he he said the next step is can they play as he said, can that dog hunt in terms of, you know, you got to get them out on the field and, and coach them up and develop them as well. But there is, there is no question with Jimbo's recent raise, again, uh, an extension of a few years, again, to his contract to make it the original 10 years that it was a few years ago, mm-hmm. up in the nine to $10 million range when it all adds up annually, no question about it that the, that the, that that there are huge expectations and he knows that he's aware of that, which I think is also part of uh, his recent, um, you know, rants or whatever you want to call it. He knows, he knows that the expectations are are, are big now in college station and that they're, and, you know, for instance, okay, Mikey, A&M beat Alabama. That was at Kyle field and it was a close game. 41, 38 came down to a last second field goal. Well, he's well aware now. Texas A&M is going to Bryant-Denny Stadium in 2022, and the Crimson Tide are mad, and they've been stacking mm-hmm. these number one and two classes together for years, whereas A&M is still new to it. He's aware of all that, but he's also aware that A&M fans don't really want to hear that. They want, finally, they want to compete for a conference title for the first time in 20, you know, it's been almost a quarter century. You're getting in that range now because it was 1998 when they last won a conference title, and that was as part of the Big 12 when they upset Kansas State, when Kansas State would have been playing in the national title game. They haven't really come close since then. And, and uh, you know, now they've been a decade in the SEC. So all those things add up to A&M fans saying, okay, okay, it's time. There are no more excuses. This is now the time to, to be in the mix for a – uh, an SEC title, and as you know, if you're in the mix for an SEC title, then you know you're probably going to be in the mix for a national title as well. Mm-hmm. Do you sense any? I don't know if um, pressure is the right word, but from from the the alumni, from the administration, from the coaches, everybody involved with Texas A&M to ensure that uh, you know that their program is a is on a higher level than the Texas Longhorns currently. But we all know the Longhorns are coming to the SEC. Do you think that uh, any of this NIL and the recruiting success has anything to do with trying to ensure that they that they remain ahead of Texas before the Longhorns get into the SEC? Because I think it's clear that A and M's at an advantage at the moment, but they've got right. to, they've got to keep the steam on if they're gonna if they're gonna stay ahead of Texas before Texas comes into the league. The, the sense I've gotten from Ross Bjork, the athletic director, John Sharp, the chancellor, and on down the line, I don't really know the new president, Kathy Banks. I haven't really gotten to know her you know, yet. She's, I believe, been in that position less than a year, right around a year. And uh, that they believe in Jim, like they don't feel like Jimbo needs any prodding. And from what I've seen, he doesn't. I mean, the man is absolutely driven and all these things to, to prove 
people wrong and to prove that he can do it at A&M. So I don't see that kind of pressure. If you were going to say there was pressure, it would definitely be from the former students who are saying, okay, we've paid all this money. We put a half billion dollars into college field five, six years ago. Now it's time. And <laughs> to your point, uh, I, my, I, I personally as a fifth generation Texan, I was really excited to hear because when Texas was, when when you know we we found out they were going to the SEC, my first thought wasn't about the Longhorns competing in the SEC. It was, hey, that means the game is back. Mm-hmm. And the, by the game, I mean A and M versus Texas, which was the biggest deal in the state for decades. And suddenly it was gone. Poof, it's been gone for the past decade. So yes, there is no question now that the um, <laughs> the bar has been raised in terms of saying, okay, now Texas can also recruit to the best league in the nation by far and make these promises of saying, hey, these guys are all headed to the NFL. You can be too. So A&M certainly wants to keep that momentum going because, as we've already seen with Texas having the number five overall class, NIL came into big play with them as well. They, they, they Horns with Heart was this charity organization that was cranked up with the idea of giving the offensive linemen $50,000 annually uh, to lend their name to the charity and so forth. So yeah, they're not messing around either on the NL front. And they were very, you know, upfront about that. And suddenly they signed probably their best O-line class in, in history. Next thing you know, Sarkisian has them up to number five in the overall ranking. So it's something I kind of personally look forward to in coming years. Those recruiting battles, those finally on-field battles really kind of heating up and that being a, you know, just a, a huge deal, not only in the state of Texas, but in the SEC because the rivalry is back. Now, of course, you were the one that uh, broke that news, Brent, at, at SEC Media Days. I mean, everybody was doing double takes. Uh, I think even on SEC Network, on live television, they, they basically dismissed the whole Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC. And if memory serves, it was about 72 hours later it was official. <laughs> I, I cannot recall anything happening at that warp speed. But considering your outstanding insight and, and news-breaking ability, can you provide any insight into maybe an updated timeline and into when Texas and Oklahoma could be joining the SEC? And uh, last thing for you, because you just referenced it. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I'm dying to see Texas and Texas A&M on the field again. When the Longhorns come to the SEC, do you anticipate that that will be an annual matchup? Because I know there was, you know, some speculation that 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 may, may not be the case. What what can you tell us about any of that? Yeah, the timeline. I really thought, Mike, going back to the summer because I'd seen it a decade ago with Texas A and M when things just really, to use your term, really picked up with warp speed when the Aggies said they were exiting the Big Twelve and then Missouri hopped on as well uh, for the SEC that. You know, it went from, hey, that's in a couple of years to one year. I really thought at that time it was going to pick up speed so much that it was going to be 2022. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, Texas had the money ready to roll. Of course, they had the Longhorn Network that they were ready to roll into the SEC Network and so forth and ESPN. Um, Oklahoma was maybe the one a little behind on that on that front. I still say I do not see how it would drag past 2023 at this point in terms of saying that's – you know, I, I just don't see it being any later than that at this point. And also, yes, absolutely on the annual rivalry because it's a huge – it's not just a a little bit of a moneymaker. It's a massive moneymaker on that front. So it will definitely be an annual rivalry one year in College Station, one year in Austin, 
you know, none of this neutral site type stuff. They're going to get it back to campus and it will be every year and around Thanksgiving weekend, just like the old days, because that was, you know, <laughs> back, back in the day when the Dallas Cowboys would play the Houston Oilers, that was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. But Texas A&M versus Texas is the biggest sporting event in the state of Texas. And, and people outside, what Aggies and Longhorns have to understand, you know, they say, oh, we don't really want that, especially the Aggies. We don't need that series. It's bigger than that. It's, it's for the state of Texas. It's for Texans, you know, in, in, in this, this area, this region. And so that's why it will be back on an annual basis because they're not going to pass up that opportunity to, to make a ton of money off of it as well. All right, some outstanding stuff there, Brent. I really, really appreciate it. Everyone give Brent Zerneman a follow on Twitter, at Brent Zerneman, and check out all his outstanding work over at the Houston Chronicle covering Texas A&M and the SEC. Brent, thank you again for joining the show. Really, really appreciate it. You bet, Mike, and I really appreciate you not asking me about Texas A&M basketball, so thank you. All right, so just want to say thanks again to Brent for joining the show. One of the best, not only uh, you know newsbreakers in the SEC, he's breaking news left and right when it comes to the Aggie program and what's going on with uh, Jimbo's Texas A&M Aggies. You got to give him a follow on Twitter and check out all his work for the Houston Chronicle. And just thanks again for the quality time uh, that he's provided me on this show. I, I really, really appreciate it, but. Hey, that's going to do it for this week's editions of the show. Hopefully, we'll get Cousin Shane. I have confirmation. He is back from vacation. Shane takes a vacation for about three weeks, while the rest of us gets uh, four or five days down there in Florida. He is just now on his way back. So, hopefully, maybe we'll get Cousin Shane on here to break down the Super Bowl or something like that. Uh, We didn't even get to talk much about that, but that game is loaded with SEC talent on both sides of the ball Cincinnati and the Rams uh, just <laughs> that's going to be a fun game to watch with even if you're not a fan of either one of those teams which I'm not but I'm looking forward to it with all the SEC connections so have a great time this weekend check out the Super Bowl be safe everybody and we'll catch you on the next one <laughs>